2: Welcome back. We are back. Cannabis Sour has returned. It is myself, Elliot Lane, and Tony Noto. Anthony, sir, how are you today? I'm doing
1: lovely. How are you?
2: Lovely. It's always going to be lovely, like any version of. Lovely, peachy, just dandy.
1: Yeah, uh, I've used know. dandy. I've used lovely. I never use peachy. But maybe, you know. I can't say know. I do
2: either. But like, if somebody said they were peachy, it'd be an acceptable. You know, I, I think way yeah. to say you're doing good today. You know, yeah. well, it's uh, but, Christmas you know, I,
1: time. Come on, man. I got. I wanted to set up the camera right in front of our lovely tree, that my wife took the lead on and decorated uh, just last my, weekend, yeah. and my my it looks amazing took the lead on mine as well. <laughs> so, what, you what, know, it, what, it looks what what talents that do we have in that area?
2: Um. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay at decorating. Like, I, I have good symmetry skills, and yeah. I understand that sometimes two on this side and one on this side is okay. You know, so I have, like, a basic knowledge of, like, the Renaissance decorating style. But outside of that, like, she's way better. I I mean, she's
1: always way better. I'm I'm the same. Like, I did a couple of things I messed up. I did the lights, and because she's, like... Five, one barely. I was the one who put the,
2: the star up top. Hey, man. Hey, if that's your job going forward, <laughs> you're a lucky man. That's all I got to say. I want to say welcome back, everybody. Uh, super pumped to be here with Tony today. Thank you to the pre-market prep crowd that sticks around for this. Uh, super pumped to talk to three exciting entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. We're yeah. taking a different turn from last week. Um, you know, I do want to say, if you see this background, this Benzinga Global Small Cap Conference... Mm-hmm. There there we go. So I do want to call out, you know, if you're an investor watching this show, if you're a retail investor, uh, you you know, or you're just interested in the cannabis space, because we had plenty of cannabis companies participate. The event we put on the last two days gave some incredible deep dives into companies. Uh, So I definitely recommend watching that if you haven't yet. We went inside with Arcimoto, with Ideonomics, with WorkSport, with Aero on the electric vehicle side, on the cannabis side, Forefront. Uh, I think uh, Chiron Life Sciences, Avacana, Gage. Was uh, Delta
1: 9 in there? I thought Delta I saw 9 Delta 9 was
2: supposed to. We had some technical difficulties, but they're going to be actually on this show next week
1: okay so i'm just saying
2: delta nine will be around we love those guys ian and john fantastic guys fantastic company i think the something like the fourth oldest cannabis licensed cannabis company in canada uh love them stick so definitely come back for next week with copper state delta nine and canopy will be on next week
1: Yeah, it's uh, a who's so, who here at benzinga yeah,
2: absolutely i mean tony and elliot <laughs> come on yeah, uh so definitely <laughs> that's where our check- talents lie yeah i'm just saying i do want to say BZSmallCap.com, so you can you know kind of find us there uh reach out events at benzinga.com for some replays of those videos uh outside of that you know i'm pumped for this show today yes three awesome entrepreneurs we are on the technical side of things uh so maybe we won't be talking to a grower per se or uh, I don't know, like a a big retail chain, but we're talking to the people that make those businesses go right, Tony. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I'm excited. Uh, this is where our talents lie. Like I said, we we might not be in Christmas tree decorating, but we're good. Benzinga (laughs) cannabis
2: hosts. Amen.
1: Tony, we got, we got some skills. Yeah, we got, and we got some great guests, skills and guests. And on deck, we got West from Alpine IQ, I believe he's right up, right up, and ready to go.
2: Yeah, let's get him right over. I'm pumped, honestly. Alpine IQ was a new company for me. Uh, I'm very me too. excited to talk to West and kind of hear what's in the QE for them. West, how are you, sir? See ya. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Happy to. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, welcome to Cannabis Hour. We have fun here. We learn a lot. Uh, talk to some amazing people like yourself about what's going on in the industry. So, let's jump right in. Uh, what is Alpine IQ? And I believe you're not the only uh, one from your family involved, if I'm me not mistaken.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were hoping to have Nick on here too. Unfortunately, just too many uh, things going on all at once. Um, but yeah, so we, we did start this kind of together. Uh, he already had an engineering team in place. He has the tech background. Um, and then I came from the cannabis retail background, uh, having previously worked at Tilray before this. So, together, you know, it was really over weekends catching up, even playing Xbox together, just talking (laughs) about the problems that cannabis retailers and and cannabis companies overall were facing. Um, And then, you know, in just a few few short months, Nick built out um, an incredible platform. And uh, yeah, we've been out in the market uh, publicly selling it since February. Um, and it's been a uh, quite the year, yeah. We've, we've. Um, sorry, yeah, yeah.
2: That that's that's awesome. I, I'm. We're going to dive into the platform. I have plenty of questions for you there. Um, you know, but it, it's something that I think is is good to point out for our investors is that, uh, you know, APIs are, are a thing to look at here as well. Who's providing these DevOps, right? These development opportunities on the technological side for the cannabis industry, because obviously it's not just all agricultural, obviously. Uh, you know that is a a huge portion of this but i I think we know we're talking to alpine iq today about you know the side of things like data management and marketing and you know the cloud if you will so you know let's kind of hop right in you know you guys you you started this company uh you came from tilray in in terms of retail uh when was that When, when did you all start this company if you don't mind me asking
3: yeah, so uh, so I left Silway in February, started with Alpine in February, but it was in kind of private beta um, from July of the year before. Um, so yeah, that would have been July 2019. Um, and, and basically worked and designed this platform to service the multi-state, multi-market operators um and and even multi-brand operators to be able to give them complete connectivity between all of their their data sources just like you said there's so many different endpoints and apis that need to be built out to create an ecosystem for technology um and in cannabis in particular those aprs are sometimes very very hard to get a hold of uh, are you uh you guys at denver guys so uh, we're actually all spread out. We started this really going into market in February, so we probably were one of the uh, few tech companies in the space that did their first fundraise uh, during quarantine. Um yeah, so that, that was a big peak, right? So we're going in, in an office. Really didn't need to happen since we're all going to be remote for the time being anyway. So we saved some some money there. Um, so we're all spread out. I recently just relocated to Colorado my uh the ceo my brother he's based in texas we've got a cto in california so team is very spread out um we're what's a, we're the a, age we're, difference
1: between you and your brothers
3: uh four years between me and, and nick yeah okay do, so do you I'm all strike in las distance. vegas or like phoenix arizona just kind of find a midway point there we're, we're trying to do our best to see each other as, as much as possible but i mean zoom calls are the norm this is this is as good as it gets sometimes
2: Amen. And thank God for being able to embed it to YouTube. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, can you walk us through your platform? Maybe tell us a little bit about what Alpine Q does for the retail
3: side of
1: things. Yeah. What's the skinny?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started this thing, we took a look at the average canvas retailer and we saw a point of sale system. You saw social media pages, in-store screen displays, e-commerce, usually a third party email campaign provider, You had loyalty programs and text messaging, and then sometimes third-party analytics because POS analytics were cutting it. Um, Not to mention you're managing a website uh, and a physical store on top of all of that. So all of these different points of of intake of information coming into the, the retail business and none of these systems communicating efficiently with each other. So that at its core is Alpine, we're a data company. Um, And, you know, we sit as the the center of truth or the source of truth rather and and become the system of record powering all of these downstream tools. Um, And, you know, SMS and loyalty kind of became part of our our product um, uh, offering just because to move at the pace that we needed to move to be able to get around the compliance hurdles that there are, um, it was better to take some of those features in house.
1: So I noticed you guys also aid with uh, M and A activities. Um, give us an idea as to w- how Alpine IQ would come into play. Yeah, with so a, a, yeah, with with companies that are looking for M and
3: I mean, anytime you have customer data as a large operator already, you can use that information to help guide future expansion. Um, so you know, geospatial heat mapping is a really big piece of what we do, and and um, you know, having competitor stores overlaid with that. It gives you an idea of where your customers are, where your customers are not, and where your competitors are. And that can help you when you're going to assess whether you want to buy a competitor um, or expand into a new lease and just getting a gauge of, you know, how saturated is the market in this area? Um, and do I already have a ton of customers coming from this area? Um, and, and some of our analytics tools help uh, retailers find that answer. Okay. So with such... You know I, I
2: would say different state regulations here uh, obviously you guys are able to work amongst different markets and you know be a through line here uh how does it look with the states coming online as well um you know and and are you able to you know help retailers uh, that achieve those licenses in similar ways build out these uh these platforms and systems and uh, are you able to kind of take on a little bit of a new earlier on form
3: than you would have otherwise does that make sense
1: yeah. are you looking to new jersey
3: <laughs> yeah, so we're anytime a new market opens up, we want to be first in there to start talking to people to start understanding what the regulatory hurdles are going to be for new even new market entrants. Um, how you can market the customers, right. So just on the marketing side, so many variations, you've got conditional sales that are not allowed in some states, and all of Canada, you really can't do points in redemption, but there's a really big need there for loyalty and retention. and How do you achieve that? And then for, you know, companies that operate in all of those places, um, that becomes a really big hurdle to face. So in new markets, when we come in to uh, sell in Missouri or New Jersey, you know, getting an understanding of what retailers are hearing from from their regulators is a big piece of it. Oftentimes, different retailers hear different rules and understanding the early stage problems. Um, So if you look at Missouri right now, there's a, a big issue with having to check patient um, you know, month long uh, consumption for e-commerce providers who don't necessarily see all of the offline transactions that a retailer has. So how do they know without a direct connection to metric, if that's going to work? I mean, being on the ground level and being kind of a data consultant on how people can solve these issues and which companies need to connect and work together to build APIs to work through that has certainly become a role that we play. You well, almost the experts in compliance. My God. i mean in this business you have to be every single person is a part-time lawyer if you work in canada (laughs) touche so
2: uh, how how many dispensaries companies are you working with right now you know what's the kind of the size and maybe looking ahead into 2021 obviously no forward-looking statements here everybody we're we're not financial advisors um you know what does it look like going into next year
3: yeah, we are. So we hired our our second and third employee in August, believe it or not. Um, and we have crossed the five hundred million dollars in cannabis revenue analyzed. We've uh, you know met six million unique personas in the country so far, or in North America so far, I should say. Um, and so we're growing very very quickly, uh, and it's going to continue to to be the case. I mean, if I just look at what we've got right now in the pipeline. I, I don't see us slowing down anytime soon. I, I really believe we'll cross the billion dollars in revenue analyze before we hit 12 months. Um, and so that's something that we're super proud of. And I, and I think the reason being is because we really came into this trying to just work with everyone, find the way that we can partner with all of the point of sale providers out there and the in-store screen display providers and figure out How do we all work together to best serve the end customer? Um, And for me, as a a huge believer in the industry and in cannabis, you know, retail has such a big part to play in that, which is why we came into the market focusing on just helping retailers connect with customers, better educate them um, and better speak to them as individuals.
1: Well, you got an individual looking for an answer right now. We got a question from our chat. Ooh. James Stoddham has a question for you. James, good to see you, my friend. Do you have a merchant AR processor? The reason I ask is I am, I know the CEO of Priority Tech Holdings who runs the payment slash merchant processing for Acurna.
3: A merchant AR processor, uh, I, I believe so. That's probably a better question for uh, our boy, Nick, who couldn't join us today, but as
1: well,
3: yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe we can
2: connect you guys after uh, yeah, chat about okay. it. We yeah, have James over here. We play matchmaker here at Benzinga facilitating conversations is what we Sorry. specialize in. Sorry to let you down, guys.
1: Oh, no, no <laughs> letting
2: down here. Just a conversation TBD um, to be yeah, west. Later. This
1: conversation's going south real quick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good off. Um, awesome, man. So you can tell me to shut up here. This may not be something you're willing to say. How does a billion dollars in revenue analyzed correlate to revenue
3: made for Alpine IQ? I mean, you know, data is worth money. There's no doubt about that. But what I'd like to point out here is that we took a very different approach to customer data than than really anybody else out there. Um, And, you know, when I talk about like reinventing the data wheel for cannabis, um, helping these retailers win the race on who owns the customer, uh, we made it very, uh, a part of our, our kind of foundation, not to sell customer data. Um, you know, we don't necessarily good for the, you. Yeah. Retailers from doing that You're on the own. one, but as of today, you know, we've never sold any customer data down the line, um, to anyone. And it's because I believe in, in cannabis, you know, people are giving their information to better their experience. Um, But if you sell that data so that companies can come in and just blast them with messages,
1: yeah,
2: uh,
3: you know, it's, it's, that's betraying their trust. Now, uh,
2: sorry, can I just do one follow-up question here, Tony, and then I'll shut up my friend. Uh, So I saw on your site, some little uh, SMS texting. Is that now I had, I had some horror stories, you know, some horror, (laughs) some nightmares come up from the election, right? Is that, you know, is, is that useful to you guys? Is, I mean, obviously it's useful, you know, it, it's part of your system, but I'm just curious, do you all have positive feedback to that? And I'm assuming that doesn't necessarily yeah. fall into what no, we just discussed. So
3: no, this is, I'm really glad you brought this up because this is actually something that if I could scream from the rooftops, I would. Um, you know, we're an SMS company, the way that Amazon is a bookstore. It's a very important piece of what we do, um, but it is certainly not everything when it comes to providing the best possible customer experience. It is something that um, I think became so prevalent in cannabis because there's oftentimes a huge education gap on product format and availability and what customers actually understand about what they're using. Um, And so that extra channel for being able to have one-to-one conversations can be really powerful to teach people. Um, that being said, there's a war going on, uh, and especially in the United States where carriers do not want, you know, cannabis to be talked about, um, commercially on their, on their platforms or on their networks rather. Um, and so trying to leverage SMS in a way that benefits the customer helps teach them about new products and, and the best and safest ways to use those products is an important piece of what we do. We, we probably book seven out of our 10 meetings on the SMS marketing and loyalty program features. And then I think we, we close probably the same amount, seven out of the 10 closes are oftentimes because of the data functionality and all of these other um, kind of MarTech tools that we empower to better perform. Great. That's good. That's awesome information, Wes. Yeah.
2: Sorry, Tony, I think I cut you off before, my
1: friend. No, it's all right. Well, I I actually, I had, we have only a couple minutes left, but I had to just ask when you said, oh, we're not going to sell data. What if I just show up with a suitcase full of money? And like, come on, just sell me that data. You're not going to do it? Oh,
3: so here's the hypotheticals. We we don't (laughs) own the customer data. In our agreements that we make with our retail partners, we're facilitators of that data. Um, And, you know, they're all companies out there that we are already in the process of integrating with who already sell data. And so we can integrate with those companies and help empower that if it, if a retailer is already making that transaction. But um, we will have brand focused products coming out next year. And okay. we're making it critical in the formation of those products that we keep the customer's trust, the end user, uh, and, and the stoners is what I love to, to throw out there we want them to feel comfortable and feel like their experience is benefited and that they're not being betrayed by the people who they're giving their personal information to. Um, and so I guarantee that when we do have products that are focused at brands, um, it's definitely not going to betray that customer's trust. There we go. Awesome.
2: Wes, this has been a great first conversation. I think Tony and I both have a ton more questions, but uh, alas, I, I, th- I think we're, we're close to time, my friend. But if you could leave our audience uh, with one last thought. Also, where to find you all uh, should they be looking to get in touch?
3: Yeah, uh, well, alpineiq.com, really simple there. Um, you guys can fill out a request for more information and somebody will get in touch with you quick. Um, but, you know, he, I just want to say that super stoked that we could be here in a day where the house has passed the first decriminalization bill. That's, right. That's um, right. And we are one step closer into bringing this whole thing out of the shadows and into the light. So
2: cheers to yeah. that. West. And cheers uh,
3: appreciate it, everyone.
2: Cheers on my oh snap mug. My All
3: right.
2: <laughs> West, appreciate you, my friend. Be well, stay healthy and we will definitely talk to you soon. See you guys. Take awesome. care, West. Great first guest, Tony, new company, but obviously on the rise quick.
1: Yeah, they're fresh out of the gates, they're hungry, um, but the obvious question was, how do two brothers, only four years apart, get to get together and get along to run a company? That's I a mean, big question.
2: We can just jump over the fact that I work with my brother, who's five years older than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well and you guys keep it professional but don't you ever just want to like put him in like a wrestling move or something like that when,
2: like... <laughs> i mean he's lucky i don't live in the same city as him that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> all i'm gonna say if you know patrick you know he's shorter than me and he threatens to break my kneecaps all the time um all right let's keep it moving though i mean patrick and i could go back and forth all day long he's not even here right. <laughs> <laughs> next we have karen mayberry from Trim.io. We are going to keep it on the software side of things here. Uh, Once you get your camera and mic turned on, Karen, I perfect. Wow, you're quick to that. Uh, I wish everybody yesterday was as quick to that as you were. Um, Karen, how are you?
4: I'm great. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you both.
2: Oh, excited to have you. Uh, Well, let's jump right in. I'm really excited. You know, I've heard of Trim before, but, you know, if you wouldn't mind just telling our audience a little bit about what Trim.io is and when it came to be.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Be happy to share our journey at Trim. Um, We're a software platform that's completely customized for cultivators. Um, so, unlike a lot of other the uh, a lot of other the seed to sale platforms and cultivation solutions that are also serving other license types and other business types like retail, manufacturing, uh, extraction, extraction whatever, Trim is uh, custom built for cultivators from the ground up, and we're really about helping uh, growers and farms optimize their daily operations, manage their labor, uh, track data, and maintain compliance with the state.
2: Mm. compliance there's that word again yeah oh fantastic so you guys are pretty you're pretty niche you're pretty specialized in, in regards to the cultivation side of things which honestly I love you know I, I mean I don't know knock on anybody who's vertically integrated or doing you know more than one thing but I think doing what you do and do it well there's something to be said about that um so that's fantastic so you know what what got you into the cannabis industry uh, a little bit personally I guess
4: for sure. Um, well, it's definitely a dream of mine to be working in the industry and even just to see, um, you know, these legalization efforts and some rapid changes and breaking down the stigma and new states coming online. So it's super exciting. But um, I grew up in San Diego, California in the you know late 80s, early 90s, and got introduced to the plant pretty young. And I knew right then that cannabis was for me. You know, we didn't call it cannabis then, but now we do because we're sophisticated <laughs> and it's legal. But... Um, But yeah, so it's played a really consistent theme in my life throughout college, Um, you know, motherhood, helped me just overcome some of the challenging parts of my life and just stay grounded and grateful, especially as a founder, one of the hardest things that I've done, Um, and uh, went to college, studied marketing there, also met my my husband, Matt, who's the CEO and co-founder, as well as my third co-founder, Benjamin Wong um, didn't marry him, but, uh, he's part (laughs) of the team too, that, that, uh, you know, very notable. And, um, basically all three of us have pretty strong ties to the plant, have grown the plant at home. Um, you know, I got my card as soon as I could, uh, even sold a little weed in college, kind of like side hustle. So, um, just, uh, you know, we all gravitated towards the industry. And in late 2017, when California was uh, preparing to open the doors for the recreational market, we're based here in California in the Bay Area, um, the timing was just right. So we started getting out there into the industry and attending trade shows and just talking to as many cultivators and getting into as many cultivation facilities and greenhouses that we could and learning about the pain points and just the other uh, software providers. We knew we wanted to build software for growers. And we kind of found this gap in the market, like I touched on earlier, there were a lot of seed to sale providers that were established in the market. And then there were software systems to help uh, manage grow environments, right? That control sensors. But there wasn't a platform for farms to manage just their daily operations, their teams. Um, be able to tie all the data together to have one consistent or one, uh, you know, one system that ties the data together and actually makes it possible to gain some insights from their production data, their labor data um, and their environmental data.
1: How did the, Uh, what was the labor data like um, in 2020? I mean, did it, uh, was that like something that changed this year because in certain corners of the cannabis sector, a lot of layoffs were announced um, but in other corners, political um, way of saying that, <laughs> yeah, there were there were there was an uptick in hiring too in, in certain uh, parts. So I'm just curious to know whether or not they're um, you know on the back end of things whether or not that that transformed at all.
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, like I mentioned, we're based here in California and we were lucky that cannabis was deemed essential right out the gate essentially. So the majority of our company or our customers, excuse me they didn't really experience a, a whole lot of interruption in operation. They did have to, you know, figure out the cleaning protocols. Um, be able to socially distance limit capacity in the facility, but I think one of the ways we were able to support those efforts is with our task management system, which is how we help manage labor and it does have some remote scheduling and, um, you know, tasking functionality there so. Um, we were able to assist with kind of coordination of teams if people were off site or wanted to plan ahead and understand how many people were going to be in the facility that day um, just who needs to do what. So we did actually see a little spike in user activity, which was really cool, and actually was really helpful in us since we were raising uh, raising money at the time to be able to use that data to our advantage. Since it was difficult to raise capital during COVID, and mm-hmm. it, you know a lot of investors had cold feet, even though we did get the essential designation, um, everyone was just kind of seeing how it was going to shake out with COVID. You know, um, but being able to leverage our data and show that um, you know cultivators were able to continue operations, they were able to utilize the system, and we're actually utilizing it even more. Um, was beneficial for us.
2: Do you see that continuing post, I mean, uh, I would imagine you do, but uh any changes to that maybe post-pandemic, once this vaccine is out there, do you see it kind of normalizing or continuing to 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 grow? No pun intended. I
4: yeah, I that's a good question. I think it's just going to keep growing because you know, like we're all p- preparing for the holidays, but growers never take time off. Like mm-hmm. they always have to work. The plants never stop growing. So um they're always going to have teams in there that need to care um, and maintain the plants every single day.
2: Now, I did hear you say you all grew, uh, you all grew it at home. I'm assuming you probably don't do that anymore, being somebody who services the operators. But does that that side of the industry? Sorry, go ahead.
4: Yeah, Secret no, I, you're very perceptive. I don't grow at home anymore because I can't. I have access to products like these. Um, this <laughs> is not our grow. This is actually one of our customers, Flora Cal Farms, up in Santa Rosa, who does an incredible job and I, I purchase and, and smoke their flowers so I can speak from personal experience. Um, but yeah, like we actually, we did grow this year. We have a little tent in our garage where we do a couple of plants, you know, legally um, but it just doesn't compare to what you can get at the dispensary. So I would prefer to smoke other flower.
1: Yeah. Well, so you're the, the second company today. I mean, we have only have three featuring, but um, you're like the first company like Alpine, you guys were on the hunt for venture capital this year and um so and you and you were successful i want to say um i pulled it up uh, a little over 3 million dollars um in a funding round wow. um i'm curious to know what that process was like was it difficult was it tricky did it exceed expectations did it not meet your expectations cuz i i can imagine um you know pitching via zoom wasn't wasn't so much fun or easy
4: you know I, th- I like Zoom. I like that we can be in the comfort of our own homes and be wearing sweatpants, right? Business up top, casual below. Um, like that New you
1: know, Yorker that- cover, that New Yorker cover that went viral. <laughs> the the yes, woman has yes, like the wine glass time. and the blouse and then she's got pajama yes.
4: pants. Yeah, that was great with like cat food, you know, yeah. tins and stuff. Um, no, totally. That's why I have my virtual background. So I like being able to hide behind Zoom. Um, I will say that the process was hard it was long it took us a lot longer than we expected it to you know we started raising in 2019 and we didn't announce our seed round till just a couple months ago so it did take us a long process we started with a friends and family round and then we ended up getting a a term sheet for a preferred round so we did go into a preferred round and ended up finding some fantastic partners along the way it was such a roller coaster honestly you know you think you're going to Get one big fish, and it falls through, and then you end up finding the right partner who ends up becoming a strategic mentor as well right. um, and a Great. board member. So we have two board, we have three board members. One is Matt, our CEO, and then Micah Tapman um, and uh, Ian do- Ian Dominguez, who are both uh, and lead yeah. investors. Awesome. Uh, Ian with Delta Emerald mm-hmm. and uh, Micah right. with Seven Thirty Capital.
2: Yeah, we do have a question from the chat. It's a good one from Alex oh. K- Kesselring is the focus on large multi-grow operators or small family farms and how scalable is the software
4: totally so when we first started selling trim we were selling to anyone and everyone including you know different state markets which wasn't a great strategy we did need to get more focused which is you know especially with the diverse state markets and all the different track and trace systems like you can just go out of business trying to build product for all these diverse markets so we did have to get really focused Um, We still have craft farms, uh, five, six person teams on the platform but I think the way that the platform is evolving is geared towards more larger teams as we're building out more functionality on like the labor management, labor analytics side of things. So I think it, it it's absolutely scalable. Like our pricing starts at 250 a month, which I think is is very affordable um, and that doesn't include metric functionality. So if you, you pay a little bit more for the compliance management there, since that that's quite a lift. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a scalable platform because it just is reflected in our customer base that we have craft growers and we have, multi-state operators
2: you may have mentioned this i apologize if i missed it how many are you able to say how many clients you have at this point in time
4: yeah i can give you a close estimate so we we're nearing 100 accounts but we manage well over 100 licenses here in california alone
2: Hmm. great
1: so what's go ahead no go ahead tony all you well i mean i i would be remiss if I didn't ask, Uh, you know, we we're at the end of a really tough year Uh, rather than reminisce about 2020 further. I would love to know what trends you expect to see play out in 2021.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I see like integrations as, as the future for a lot of ancillary companies like myself, technology providers. I think the space is definitely getting more crowded. Um, you know, so that's one of the trends I see is the space is getting more uh, more competitive, I think, and you know there's only a, a, the licenses are the licenses. There's only a limited number of licenses. So um, I noticed that the, the space is getting more crowded. I think you're going to really have to differentiate in 2021 and really yeah. prove value in ROI. Um, and I'm excited about linking up with other software and hardware uh, providers and being able to deliver more value and cover more of the market through integrations. Like for example, we only have a metric integration here in California and that really does limit us outside of California even though we do sell our task management analytics, uh, you know, features successfully outside of California. We're in 15 States, but um, you know, most people are really looking for that compliance element. So we hope to cover that gap um, by partnerships. And I love the idea of partnerships. You can. Um, leverage what the other team has built if it's, a, you know, if you're compatible and it makes sense and um, and provide more value and just do more with less essentially.
2: I like partnerships too, Karen. Those were great. Um, yeah. So, you know, in terms of like marketing, uh, you know, what what do you do to reach these companies?
4: Content is really big for us. I mean, obviously I would have said events last year, right? Like face-to-face is so <laughs> great too. with the canvas. Yeah, I mean we all love events. We all love seeing the familiar faces and you know popping into each other's booths. I certainly loved doing that in 2018 and 2019. Um I I even have I'm sure many of, of us have funds locked up with event companies that we thought were going to happen in 2020. So, you know, events are always great. I they've tra- they've gone virtual I'm not, I don't get that excited for a virtual conference. So we haven't really invested in that too much, but digital is is big for us and content is big for us. And and SEO, because we, you know, we drive people to our website. That's how they can find out about our product and then they can submit a demo. And that essentially starts um, the process for us. So, um, you know, content is big, being able to create valuable content that people want to download and consume. And then we can, you know, capture their information and nurture them and see if it's a fit. Webinars are great. We just shot a um, a video with actually Flora Cal Farms, who I mentioned earlier, as we're we're releasing releasing a new product um, that I, I guess I'll just drop on this show. We're not going to release it publicly until January twelfth, but we're releasing it to our internal customers uh, this week, so it's out. And um, it's a pa- it's our first patent that we filed, and it's a feature called touchless harvesting, and it's essentially. Um, we're all familiar with like the Netflix load, you know, of the next episode when you're like vegging out mm-hmm. and you're in a series and it's like, well, are it's you still
1: watching? Yes.
4: <laughs> yes. 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 Like, go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the way that the regulations are written in California for harvesting cannabis plants, cannabis plants, it's really tedious. You have to weigh each individual plant. You have to log each individual weight and report it to the state. So we've enabled uh, mobile tag scanning and a Bluetooth scale integration and that automated load of the camera. So you can just scan, you know, put the tag in front, put the tag in front, weigh the plant, Bluetooth scale, registers the weight in the app, loads the next plant, stores all of that. And you can send it to metric with just a single click. Um, So it's an incredibly efficient, seamless way to be um, in full compliance, Mm -hmm. uh, but not be there in the facility for hours and hours and hours on harvest day like many large facilities are. so yeah, touches harvesting. I'll drop that. And um, awesome. I don't even really, really remember what the question was. I just well, wanted to no, share that.
2: that's hey, thank you for that. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, would you say that like California's restrictions and probably other states, like, is it unnecessary to, to go that go that hard? Yeah, into- it's one
4: hundred percent unnecessary to have to report each individual plant weight. I think. I mean, what what's the benefit of that?
1: Because I mean, you, like do you don't have to do that with other. You don't have to do with all the all the crops, right? Like other crops, don't have to. Exactly,
4: exactly. That. I mean, I definitely. I think supply chain management is critical, right? We need to understand mm-hmm. what we're consuming. It needs to be safe, and we need to be able to trace it back if there is an issue. But the the regulations are are have are overboard, of course. Because why not? It's cannabis. Let's just regulate the hell out of it.
1: Yeah, but do you think that that's got to Does that have to end in twenty twenty one? I mean, it's a little ridiculous that. I mean. Oh, if one state wants to go that route, fine, but like you're in California, don't you think that, hey, why are we treating the cannabis plant different than the tomato? Like I just, it just, it would frustrate the heck out of me.
4: Absolutely. I think every farmer feels that way 100%. And now that, you know, here in California, it's been two years, we just accept it. Um, You know, it's part of doing business. Will the regulations relax? I don't know. I mean, when it goes, Federally, federal, and if it gets uniformed across the nation, then things are really going to get shaken up. I have no idea what the landscape will look like, um, but I don't see the the regulations lightening up. For instance, Massachusetts, not on the the supply chain side, but they're limiting electricity usage. You know, from right. the sustainability angle, so that gets really tough if you're forcing growers to use LEDs. They might they want to grow with HPS or whatever they want to grow with. So that's another example of, of uh, you know regulations really imposing their will on farmers, which I totally. I'm really down for sustainability and reducing carbon emissions. But there's other industries where, you know, they're big energy suckers, and these regulations aren't imposed on them. So you definitely feel like cannabis gets picked on, um, and it does. But you know, we we can all just smoke our weed and be happy and just be stoked that it's <laughs> yeah. legal and we get to yeah. work Did, in the industry.
2: Now, do you does your software have to evolve? I'm I'm assuming it does. You know, with the with how cannabis is and still a bit unknown, or rather you know, just treated unfairly, as we say. Uh, yeah. How does your company kind of keep up with that?
1: Blockchain. No, I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. We're constantly building new software features and, and iterating on our product. You have to keep up with customer needs and also you have to keep up with the APIs of the systems that you're integrated with. <laughs> Excuse me. So, for instance, earlier this summer, Metric uh, released some changes to their uh, API, and you know we're the last ones to know—not just Trim, but API integrators. So that causes a lot of work for our dev team to, to, you know, catch up with the system and, but we have to do it and, and that's fine, it's just part of doing business. But, you know, it, you're constantly iterating, optimizing the platform, listening to customer feedback, trying to make improvements. We, we release new features every single week, um, whether it's, you know, a bug fix or something new and, and cool like touches harvesting. Um, but yeah, those are the two biggest things is just building new features, uh, improving old features and then keeping up with APIs.
2: All right, I think we have time for one more question here. Uh, what about some advice for people getting into the cannabis space right now? Maybe, maybe your yeah. top uh, few
1: items for people looking to start uh, a grow. We'll see. Yeah, or a kid in college was like, hey, I want to go in uh, her direction. She was growing in yeah. college. I'm going to grow in college. And I'm going to make something of myself, <laughs> like Karen.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of advice, like fundraising advice. I mean, I think if you need to raise funds and plan for that, right, and kind of build out that pipeline, lean on your network, start reaching out to people who have raised funds before, Um, you know, lean on your mentors. If not, hit some people up and trying to develop relationships. And then just like business advice, I would say, Um, be very focused, be very strategic, um, and be realistic about what you can accomplish and deliver in a specific amount of time. Like we all, we want to build everything, but we can't build every feature and we can't, you know, execute on every marketing strategy. Um, You know, eventually we can, but we have to be realistic Mm -hmm. about timelines. And um, so yeah, be focused and, um, you know, don't take on too much. And then, um, you know, for hiring a team, which is critical, right? Your team is critical in, in any company, but especially as a startup, because the odds are really stacked against you. So I would say in building a team, you know, uh, hire slow and, and fire fast.
2: Mm, hire slow and fire fast. I like that, Karen. We'll make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> um, a- wow. Awesome. Karen, where can we find you?
4: Yeah, on our website, which is trim.io. And um, you could fill out a demo request, or you can just email me at karen at trim.io.
2: Trim with a Y, right? Trim with a Y. Trim with a y IO. Awesome. Karen, loved having you on. I think I have some work to do on proving out virtual events to you. Uh, we'll okay, get yes. on that ASAP. Yeah, let's we'll
4: talk about that. Okay, cool. Um, well, awesome. Thank you guys
2: so much. Yeah, thank you, fun. Karen. All thank the you. best to you and looking forward to seeing how fast you all can keep growing. Uh, thanks again for unleashing the product. That was awesome.
1: Thank uh, you. We'll talk to you yeah, soon, Karen. Partner.
2: Awesome. Tony, we've had a fun tech show so far, man. We've had... Yeah. But all it, over the place.
1: Because I'm not a tech guy, so the fact that these folks are making it easy to understand and digest, I'm happy. Um, yeah, I,
2: I'm a tech newbie. We'll, we'll say I'm a yeah. tech baby, but so like, I, I get some things, you know. And, and hopefully, uh, the audience out there is more astute than us. But you know, learning is the name of the game when it comes to this industry, as far as yeah. I'm concerned.
1: And I she and I like that. speaking of learning, like she talks about the importance of mentors and and finding some guidance and and not taking on too much. You don't hear that too much from successful entrepreneurs like Karen like that. I think the the feeling is, let's take on more and then we burn ourselves out. And it's kind of a bummer. But uh, she's like, take breaks, you know,
2: I I think though, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming here, but it seems to me investors right now in the cannabis industry want to talk to people like Karen. Yeah, right. They want to talk to people that do something and do it well. Uh, you know, and, and if you are vertically integrated MSO, I think you're incredible. Uh, this is not a hit on being vertically integrated at all, (laughs) but I think if you're getting into the cannabis space, it is smart to do what you do well and grow out from there. And I think Karen is doing just that awesome new product, by the way.
1: Yeah. Uh, Super excited. So Tony, I think we're on to our last guest, my friend who is next. Well, speaking of great guests, we got Rob Tankson from Presto doctor. You have to do that when you talk, when you say presto doctor.
2: Uh, please, I'm going to say presto doctor every every two minutes, and I expect that to happen every two minutes. Rob, how are you, sir?
0: Hey, I'm expected every two minutes as well, guys.
2: All right. Presto doctor. Presto <laughs> doctor. It's a pleasure to have you, man. How you been? Are you you holding up this year?
0: I'm holding up, and uh, it's great being on. Thank you guys for, for having me. Um, Thanks for
2: joining us. Excited, yeah. So let's dive right in, Rob. I'd love to hear what, what's going on with Presto Doctor. Maybe give us a little background into yourself and, and uh, then the company.
0: Sure. So um, my background, I kind of started my career on Wall Street as an equity analyst. Then uh, uh, I was living in San Francisco, so kind of did the SF thing and hopped into tech like everyone else. you uh, <laughs> the thing to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I spent some time at Google and then also at a, a smaller tech company called ClearSide. Uh, and uh, I met my business partner Kyle um I was always kind of a looking for a a startup trying to take a risk and Kyle was always building a new app every weekend and so I naturally (laughs) came together just you know two uh risk takers crazy guys
2: (laughs) the wild and crazy Uh, guys yeah sorry I couldn't resist somebody had to do it all right all right that's my (laughs) presto doctor for you
0: all right um but yeah so you know from there um we just kind of saw a broken process um I'm not sure if you guys have heard of, the, you know, the, 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 I guess the Venice Beach doctors in California and then also other doctors where they kind of use the whole bait and switch process, you know, they would face you in with like maybe 25 bucks or 50 bucks to get a card and then, you know, that's hundred bucks for you to talk to a doctor and you walk out of the door paying about two to 400 bucks, depending on, you know, like who you were saying. So we wanted to kind of bring a more, um, you know, streamlined process, but also more uh, transparent pricing to the industry. Um, so that's kind of why we, we launched Presto Doctor.
1: Well that, that brings me to my first question, Elliot, if you don't mind, because uh, I snooped around the Presto doctor website and, uh, and it got to that fee part. And I kind of wanted to hear from you uh, in your own words. Like, what, how did you come to terms with like uh, different price points? What, what, what is right and what is what is wrong? Because um, there is a fee in the service. you have to fill out all your info. And then uh, there is a fee. So I I just explain, just how do you go about that? And how do you avoid the pitfalls that, you know, one would make?
0: Sure. And, um, you know, for for us, um, you know, the first market was, was, you know, a bit tricky because, you know, we were offering a premium service and wanted to, you know, come in at a higher point. But um, what we learned, you know, through just, you know, the first experience in California and also launching other markets is because we don't have those, you know, those uh, costs associated with like a brick and mortar location, we're actually able to charge uh, like, like a little bit less uh, while still providing a premium service. So we basically just scan the industry um, in each state to see what, you know, positions are charging. And then we like to come in at a competitive level based mm-hmm. on uh, what we're seeing in the market.
2: Yeah, I'm assuming this is based off kind of other telemedicine stats and data that uh, you were seeing out there in, in kind of non-cannabis markets. Um, you know, so with that, you know, for me being, I'm not super familiar with, you know, telemedicine. I I don't use it a lot. Uh, Is that something that you run into? Like, is is the education of what telemedicine is and then educating people on medical cannabis? Do you have that extra step there?
0: Yeah. So it's the the first step is actually in some States educating people that there's a program in general, like New York state, for example, they, you know, a a lot of, (laughs) A lot of programs that, that you know, are, are passed through legislation, they'll put money into marketing you know, and say, hey, this program exists, this is an option now. There was practically nothing put into the medical marijuana program as far as letting people know. So like here, for example, a lot of our education is saying, hey, this is, there's, there are dispensaries in New York, you can buy a legal product, and hey, you can also do it online. So it's almost kind of a three-step process of letting people know that you know, we exist um, after letting them know the market exists.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> no market exists. like And, that. Then, and uh, speaking of New York, because that's that's where I am, and that's where I'm I'm curious as to you know some of the traffic you've seen over here. Uh, Queens is like where a lot of the dispensaries. You, you, can you pinpoint where most of these requests and these um, these licenses are coming from? Like, who's requesting? It's is it men folks in Manhattan? Is it folks in Queens? I think it's Queens.
0: It's it's all over the board, honestly. Um, right. um, he's got something he
1: against Queens. Yeah, no, I I Queens. On no, I love Queens. No, I love Queens. <laughs> I I noticed that a lot of these places are opening up in Queens and not in my neck of the woods. Yeah, he's in Brooklyn. There's a reason he's talking about this. Sorry,
2: go ahead. Please continue. Uh, no, there's
0: actually a few in Brooklyn as well. Um, there's one uh, uh, that's pretty close to Barclays Center, and you know a few others scattered around. But you know the, the dispensaries don't have like flashy signs, and so you can really walk right. past them and not really know that. Exist. They're
1: very discreet. Very discreet. Yeah.
0: Intentionally. So I'm assuming. So,
2: you know, let's jump to the the elephant in the room, the obvious. I'm doing it. I, I I'm not even gonna apologize for it. Absolutely. COVID. Uh tell us about your year.
0: So initially, you know, it, it, it scared the crap out of us, like like everyone, right? We're we're worried about family members, worrying about health, like work is secondary at that point. It's a pendant. Mm-hmm. So once we kind of work through all of that, um, make sure all employees like are healthy family members are healthy. Then we kind of get back to business. Um, we were really blessed to be on the, the good side of it in the sense that um, you know everyone was in a sense like forced to adapt to you know things virtually, whether it be uh, shopping online for groceries and telling my yeah. grandmother how to do this on, on on a on a FaceTime call, which even FaceTime was a difficult part. But you know <laughs> then also telemedicine being you know something that people had to adapt to because it was it was um, seen as a safer alternative. And combine that with the fact that cannabis was deemed essential, we just, you know, we were really lucky to kind of be in, in like the intersection of those two. Yeah.
2: It, you know, I guess I asked this question earlier uh, and I, I think it, it applies here as well. Uh, does telemedicine take a hit next year? Uh, is that something that you're a bit, you know, maybe worried about moving into 2021 uh, as, the, as COVID is really no longer a mainstream issue? yeah good
0: question so I think telemedicine is is honestly here to stay a lot of people that have had the experience and and you know friends of friends that have had the experience just spreading the word it's it's becoming you know more convenient you not know, not just from the sense that it saves you time you know with us it also saves you money um and there's different people that you know whether you are physically debilitated you you can't do it can't leave the house um whether you you know you guys have busy jobs you know you you don't want to you know, spend time driving to a clinic, you can do everything from home. I, I think, you know, like what we hear from patients and feedback wise is once they have that experience, they're in their own space. And so they're able to, to converse more freely. And, and some have even said, it's, it's the most honest conversation they've had with a doctor because they're at home and they don't feel like they have to, you know, like, you know, put on performance for anyone. Or they can just really be themselves. Interesting. Yeah.
2: What are I mean, the issues that I'm sorry, Tony, I keep
1: no, no, that was, I was just going to say, like, that was something that I've had to get used to. I, I actually never uh, did the whole virtual see the doctor thing before COVID. It was always like, you know, it's just. Mm-hmm. but I actually, I found it interesting. And it, it was something that you just get accustomed to. And I think um, I prefer it, you know, I mean, from go, going forward. You know, the, my doctor
2: actually, um, also in Manhattan uh, was, you know, he was moving that way anyway. So, you know, I, I don't think necessarily telemedicine is, is going away. I'm just curious if that if there's something you have to do uh, to combat that uh, post COVID. Um, so, you, you know, I guess looking at the medical side of things are, is there, what is the most common uh, of the issues that you all see come through there? You know, I, I'd love to kind of hear what most people are looking or searching for medical cannabis for at least on Presto Doctor.
0: Sure, so the most common ailment that we see is is honestly dependent on the market, right? So in most states, um, there's chronic pain, and so because of that, chronic pain is, is is the most common ailment we see. But in a market like California, um, it's um, it's pretty neck and neck with anxiety for the most part historically. But in the last you know year with COVID, we've seen you know the anxiety numbers um, spike by about you know, forty percent. Patients reporting that as the reason you know. So I'd imagine, and if that was you know. A qualifying condition in other markets, we probably see something similar.
1: Yeah. So you talk about COVID being a challenge. I mean, going forward, what are some of the other challenges that you anticipate? I mean, are you um, like what keeps you up at night? What do you worry about when in terms of presto doctor and and your success in the field? There could be something else. I don't want a list of your fears. I think that'd be weird. But you know, tell me what 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 concerns you going forward into this new year?
0: Sure. So so it's regulation, honestly. It's, it's always been regulation and it's, it's getting better and better progressively. But I'll give you like, like one example of when it worked against us. We, we launched in Pennsylvania, you know, it was our fourth state at the time after New York and we're pretty excited about business development, just, you know, proximity and just such a great market. Um, but then about three weeks after launch, the state just uh, changed their mind as far as the legislation uh, the first appointment with the doctor had to be, you know, in person, just all of a sudden. So yeah. that was, that was, that was a tough pill to swallow. Um, but with things, you know, kind of progressing and kind of accelerating telemedicine, I don't see that particular issue uh, being a problem, but regulation in general just always kind of keeps me up. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I guess, uh, you know, that kind of piggybacks on federal legalization and, you know, what that means overall for your company.
0: Sure, so legalization is something that we welcome. Um, at the end of the day, people are gonna to wanna to talk to a medical professional about something that they're putting in their body like, like, like from, a, from a medicinal standpoint. And you know, whether it be you know, patients that are currently on pain medication and looking to substitute cannabis and replace it, um, you know, they'll want to know about drug interactions, they'll wanna know about just overall wellness and, and how cannabis can be used in your wellness routine and it's not just, you know, a lot of people, we, we used to ask, you know, do you consume cannabis? And the most common response is, um, what do you guys, what would you guys guess the most common response is? Just curious. Mm,
2: not regularly. I,
1: I don't know. Right, well, uh, common... uh, at I
0: midnight. <laughs> the uh, most common response is, is well, I don't smoke. And, um, you know, just mm-hmm. educating people that there's many different ways to consume um you know that you know don't actually involve you smoking you don't even have to get the psychedelic head high that's associated with cannabis and then also letting people know that um the fact that your body already has a system that's designed to consume cannabis like we know about the muscular skeletal respiratory systems but one that was discovered in like the, the 70s that's not really talked about much right is the endocannabinoid system and so the body is most people's um, body is deficient in cannabis, um, because, you know, it's not something that we, we learn in school. And, um, you know, so um,
2: all that education, they <laughs> got a lot of long way yeah. to go in that regard. Uh, so overpaid. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it, you know, kind of looking forward, and, and also in the present, how does and, and honestly, complete change of topic here. Um, sure. What does social equity look like in this industry to you? And is cannabis, is it improving? You know, it's something that we've talked about several times on this show. Uh, So I think getting your opinion here, that would be valuable.
0: Yeah. So social equity, what it looks like is people that were affected by the wrong drugs, people that, you know, look like me, um, you know, being able to benefit from all the, you know, wealth that's being generated, whether it be communities of color that were affected, um, whether it be individuals that were affected, um, and are incarcerated or you know have records, you know getting those cleared up. I think that's very important to, to moving forward. Um, but also, I think representation. Um, I wasn't really a, a, a huge proponent of public speaking un- until maybe about a year ago when I um, you know started to do more appearances and and a couple people you know, people of color came to me and they told me like they were really happy to see me. know leading a company and kind of being present and so that motivated me because they said seeing when someone like to look like them motivated them and let them know that they can do it so so i feel like you know that's motivating for me and also i I just really like to give back um whether it be our hiring practices at Presto doctor we're a very diverse team both on the administrative team and also physician-wise it just you know offers more diverse array of you know positions people sometimes want to talk to a doctor you know that looks like them or you know, like the same gender as them or sex or just its just like to have those options available to make everyone feel comfortable.
1: Are you in you're in California right San Francisco are you because I saw Presto's based there?
0: So we we were based in San Francisco initially um, we moved HQ to New York and that's where I am now. Basically. Oh you're in
1: you're a fellow in New York where are you in New York? I'm in Brooklyn. Okay Oh, I thought I thought Elliot said were you saying that he was in Brooklyn? No, I was saying I'm, you were in Brooklyn. I'm not in Brooklyn. He's in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. I right.
2: don't remember where I got that. So <laughs> I was wrong. I apologize to everybody watching. Wrong data, wrong information.
1: No, well, Rob, I'm I'm curious because um I if you were in Cal Warren, California, familiar with the social equity program there. I mean, I remember um covering the Al Harrington um uh, interview for uh, Benzinga, and he was not very happy with the social equity program in California. Uh, if you can uh, lend some thoughts to that, like, do you think there's, a, a, has it improved over the past year or are there other markets that are are better? Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Sure, so so the California one for the most part it, it's, it's, Oakland has the best program of, of anywhere in California and it's obviously still work to be done there. Um, one that I'll comment on that's um, you know more recent is there was there was a lot of um, a lot of people in my in, in community in my community were really upset about the Moore Act in the sense that there was changes made to the social equity portion of the bill in the 11th hour, and you know they had a lot of people championing the bill, and they were basically duped, and those were, things were taken out at the end, and, and so it was something that they were really promoting that was not really, in the end, really beneficial to to, to the community. And so um, I think that was pretty disheartening. Um, While we'll still continue to fight, we just would like more transparency when things change and just like more transparency in general, because that seemed like a, you know, kind of a side door deal to kind of take away equity and opportunity.
2: a quick kind of merging of these conversations here. Uh, What, I guess demographics do you all mostly see on your platform?
0: Sure. So age wise, um, like most of our traffic, about 30% of our traffic comes from, um, you know, 18 to 25, um, followed by about 20%, um, in the 45 to 60 age range. Uh, and then after that, it's, it's really, it's probably even across the field. Um, we, we do have a, an age limit of 18 years old, just you know for liability reasons. Um, and our oldest patient right now is, is, uh, 103 years old. So in that sense, it's such a wide range, um, of, uh, patient that we see. It, it's really want to be that cool at 103. History. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so
2: uh, what about, you know, I guess the underserved communities we were discussing earlier, do you, do you find you have a, uh, good footing there? Uh, or is that something that, you know, that education ideally will start to help, uh, bridge that gap?
0: So somewhat of a good footing, but it's, it's it takes a lot of work, honestly. It, and what I mean by that is, I'll use my, my aunt for example. I've been in the industry for, for five years now, and my aunt knows what I do. And I've been trying to convince her, you know, that she should use cannabis to treat her cancer. She's in stage four, and um, you know, I just want her to have you know some kind of compassionate use, and just to, to I think cannabis can really ease her pain. And it took until you know recently when I had a pretty large uh, press opportunity that. She took it as like, oh, you guys have a real company. You guys are are really doing something to the point where she was open to doing it. Um, But that being said, she also experienced my uh, family members, you know, dealing with the war on drugs and dealing with anything that involved cannabis. Um, They were, you know, incarcerated. They were just, you know, like opportunities were taken away from them in their lives. And so to her, it represented a lot more than just something that she could use for pain relief. Um, it represented something that she saw just tearing families apart and ruining their lives. So I think it's a lot of education from that standpoint of letting people know, hey, this is actually legal now. Um, if you have a medical card, it actually can serve as an insurance policy because, hey, you're protected. Like hey, now I'm a patient as opposed to you know just just using. interesting. So just really educating people on on all those factors is, is definitely really important. It's more re-education than education, if you will, in certain communities.
1: yes, that that change of perspective is is super important.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately,
2: we do have to wrap up, Rob, but this has been a super insightful discussion. We're going to have to have you back, my friend. Yes. Uh, but love what you're doing. Definitely going to follow you guys into next year. And uh, I would love to have you back on, you know, once COVID is kind of coming to a wrap, ideally sooner rather than later. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can see what's going on at Presto Doctor. But Rob, uh, where can people find you?
0: Sure. So we're on social media at Presto Doctor everywhere. But on Instagram, we are Presto Doctor underscore official.
2: Uh, there's some guy out there who's the presto doctor he, he does this <laughs> he's a magician <laughs> awesome rob thank you so much for being here sir uh we will talk to you again soon uh, until then be healthy and be well yeah take care rob
0: thanks guys it's been a pleasure awesome
1: all right tony that was a fun show that brings the show to a close i apologize if you heard a little puppy running around going mm-hmm. i don't think you should ever have to apologize for a dog It was Ernie. He had to insert himself. He thought it was playtime, but it's business time. But business time is over. It's about wrapping up the hour. (laughs) And Elliot, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure, my friend. My dog scratched on my door, too, if
2: y'all heard that. But it's, it's 2020, y'all. We're coming to an end. Uh, but it is always fun. Thank you again to our pre-market prep audience. Thank you to everybody else who showed up as well. Uh, we love these conversations. We love learning about who's in this industry, why, what they're doing, what's next. Uh, that's what this show is about. You know, get in touch with us if you have any suggestions, any uh, questions. We're always happy to engage. Uh, until next week, Copper State, Delta 9 canopy growth on the show next week
1: looking forward to it i'm not on it though but i'm sure you'll have an even better guest than me uh you
2: know all them anyway you're famous (laughs) um (laughs) awesome tony it's pleasure thanks again everybody we'll see you next week at 4 p.m eastern standard time
0: Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you
2: drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while
0: driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down.
2: And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot
0: from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.